nobody wants Told me the world is gonna roll me I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed She was looking kind of dumb With her finger and her thumb In the shape of an L on her forehead Well, sorry. It is me, Andrew, back with another episode of Inside Inner County, joined as always by my co-host, Chris, the laser beam Lazar. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. We're Do you know back. you're an all-star? I don't ever told you that. No. Thank well, you. You're an all-star. Thank you. To me, you're an all-star. Man, my first all-star appearance. <laughs> That's don't see that every day. Well, you do. Every year you see a first all-star appearance. Because it's not always up to who has the best performance. It's always this whole fan vote thing is in now and X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Good to see uh, Romano getting added. Mm-hmm. Leading the big leagues in saves, I believe. Not in blown. The Canadian boy. Right, and then leading the league in blown games where he's not put in a save situation. Listen, man, that's that's just, we're not going to talk about that. Part. Right, because that's not make, that doesn't make you an all-star. No. The good stuff does. Yeah. And that's what we're here to talk about today, the good stuff about what went down in the IBL, but also, we put together, I shouldn't necessarily say we, I say a lot of we around here. There's a lot of you that goes into this, obviously, Chris. Chris put together a pretty neat way of presenting this week's power rankings, and then we've also put together a IBL all-star team for the end of the episode. We're going to let you know who that all-star team is, but... In today's episode, as we break down and quickly go through the power rankings, the updated power rankings, we will touch upon who that team's sort of all-star selection would be and why. So, without further ado, we are not starting this week with Brantford. No, we're not. Woohoo! Second time this year. Second, out of the basement. Second time this year. We are allowing them upstairs into the common area, and out of the basement. It must be a cozy cellar down there, but they finally have decided, uh-uh, not for us anymore. It's time to move on up out of here. This week, you actually see them trading places. Well, yes, trading places in the sense of moving to the basement. Guelph. That's right. The Guelph Royals are this week's number eight spot. They're a bit of a rough go little bit of a rough stretch as of right now and obviously that speaks to where they sit in the power rankings so why do we start with Guelph and who is their all-star that almost sounds like a bit of an ironic yeah. ir- ironic I was gonna say ironic. irony and ironic <laughs> together that's ironic yep. um, it's Monday that is putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable if I ever <laughs> heard that one so Chris take us through Guelph What's up with the Royals? Uh, I guess I'll take it chronologically based on how you ask the question. So first, what's going on with Guelph and why are they eighth? Um, it's like I know it seems like an indictment, and I guess it is because like you never want to be last. The reason that they are last is less to do with them and more to uh, commend Brantford kind of on what they did. Guelph was in a tough spot this week where they had a couple games rained out. I think two of their last five scheduled games have been rained out. So, they only had two games this week. They had a Tuesday and a Sunday, and unfortunately, they lost both of them. Uh, and Brantford went out on Sunday and played an absolute barn burner against Barry and 
that's that's a pretty signature win, right? Barry was number one in the power rankings last week, and they were able to beat them. So that's uh, that's why Brantford has moved up in the world, and Guelph, in my opinion, didn't do anything this week to stop them from doing so. So that's why they're at eight. Guelph hasn't really done anything, not to interrupt, but I'm just looking right now. They Outside of that almost game against the Jackfish, I guess, on the 4th, their last win came on July 1st. Mind you, those two cancelled games, but they haven't done three three cancelled games. Yeah. Sorry. Three of their last five so, scheduled. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... It's hard to get in a rhythm. Yeah. So it's not... Like, I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm crapping on Guelph, because I'm really not. Uh, I think they're actually going to be in a decent spot. They've gotten some guys back. Tristan Pompey is back with the team. Malik Collymore joined the team recently. So they are adding some some oomph to their lineup, which is good news for them. And I think long-term that will be that will be solid, and I don't expect them to be in the basement for much longer, I should say. Um, it is tough to get in a rhythm, but unfortunately it's kind of kind of the way she goes, right? And you, you lose a couple games, team behind you be, uh, beats the top team in the league or second-best team in the league, and, you know, you find yourself in the cellar. So. Seems we say that week in and week out, especially with this league, is that a week can actually change a lot when There's it comes a lot of parody. to r- rankings and just, like yeah. you said, getting into that rhythm and all those sorts of things. Yeah, so I'm not sure. If, this episode will probably be up before the rankings go up, but I start the rankings by talking about the parody in the league and how, for anyone who's been around the league for a long time, this is one of the most wide-open seasons we've seen in the league in a long time. And look no further than the last 10 games for every team. If you take away Barry, who was obviously on that on that hot streak where they were eight and two, if you take away Barry, no team in the league is better than six and four in their last ten. So that's pretty. That that there is a lot of parity there, right? Like if you take away uh, Barry, who was the hottest team in the league at eight and two, Brantford, who was the coldest team in the league at one and nine in their last ten, everybody's in that four four and six, five and five, six and four range. So. There is a lot of parity. You see bottom teams like Brantford beating Barry uh, this week. Uh, you see London, who was near the bottom. They won four out of five. So, like, there there really is a lot of parity going on in this league, and Guelph could find themselves in the middle of the pack as soon as next week or a couple weeks from now, depending on how things go. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting how once they can get those games made up and then of course once they can get into an actual rhythm and a schedule and man things are picking up as the schedule rolls along now games almost every night we love to see it um yeah maybe we see them moving on up a little bit come uh, come the second half of the season mm-hmm. but of course like we said you know we're gonna name an all-star right. for each team so who would we name um for guelph yeah, so at the end of this, at the end of the uh, episode, we're gonna go positionally, and that's kind of how I did it. Was I named one person per position? Okay, and then four pitchers. Right. I feel like that was that was a fair way of doing it. So, uh, positionally, uh, for Guelph, I had Brando Larue as the starting second baseman on the All Star team. He primarily has played second. He's played a little bit of short, but mainly has played second base. And his production, he's been the most productive hitter on the team with. Uh, 12 RBIs, hitting 382, leading the team in batting average. He's played in all of their games so far uh, with 21 appearances, stolen 10 bags. He has more stolen bases than strikeouts this year, which is a which is a really good stat for him. So he's been he's been really solid, really productive as uh, pretty much their leadoff hitter all season, uh, hitting to an OPS of almost a thousand. So 
he's been a big piece. That is another thing, though, that is going to hurt Guelph is come playoff time, he's probably not going to be here. Uh, I believe that he's back in school. So uh, if, if he's not here in the playoffs, going to be really tough for them to replace that production. But first half of the season, there's no question that he's been their offensive MVP. What's typically that cutoff date? It depends. Uh, it depends on the school. So okay. schools will request that their guys arrive at different points. So you'll see a lot of JUCOs. NCAA is a little bit more strict because they have that um, like an agreement in place essentially where they can only practice a certain amount of hours a week and players can only really start practicing on at certain times. But a lot of times players will go back early um, just to kind of be with their teammates and, and whatnot and be prepared for their college season because truthfully for those guys, that's the real season for them is their college season. Um so it depends. You'll see some guys leave on, like, August 10th. You'll see some guys leave, like, August 25th. But with the playoffs starting, I think, right after Labor Day or right before Labor Day, that means that pretty much anyone who's in a, at a U.S. college won't be here come playoff time. There have been a few exceptions to that where there have been guys from, like, Canisius or Niagara, teams that are right on the border that they can kind of travel back and forth for the playoffs. But even that... It, uh, it becomes really difficult with class schedule, practice schedule, all that stuff. So um, that's that's what you'll see with a lot of the college guys. And it was a lot worse in the past. There were a lot more college-aged players playing primary positions for a lot of teams. I know when I was in Hamilton, we had like four or five guys that were in college that were starting players that when we got to the playoffs, it was really difficult for us. Um, but, yeah, there are still obviously some – some examples of that, and Brando LaRue is one of them. Well, as we move up a little bit through the rankings, we see the, we, we just talked about them, the Brantford Red Sox. That's right. Now in the seven spot, after what you just called an absolute barn burner on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. That game was crazy. It looked like it was going to get out of hand for Brantford really early. Um, going down seven runs in the top of the first inning is not a great look. And even though they bounced back in the bottom of the inning, you know, you you pull within four. We've seen this Red Sox team pull close before and then kind of seen the rails fall off. Well, as luck would have it, they were on the other side of the ball this time around. And in the bottom of the second inning, they blew things wide open. And then they did, again, they did it again, sorry, in the fifth. But they scored nine runs bottom of the second. Nine, or sorry, six runs bottom of the fifth. They won the game against the Baycats 20-15. to 15. That's a mouthful. That's a yes, lot. That was a lot. But a win like that alone for me is is enough to get you up and out of the basement. Chris, what are we seeing from Brantford who now pick up their third win of the year? Yeah, they That's surpassed correct? last year's total. Okay. So we're already Good news. We're already past last year's total, which is good news. Yes. That is Baby steps. It's all Rome about baby steps. So they say it wasn't, but then they tell me that pyramids just kind of like appeared. They just arrived. So 
If Rome wasn't built in a day, what about them pyramids? I mean, there's no way those were built in a day. How were they built? Didn't they have, like, slavery, essentially, and have people, like, forced to do it, like, forced labor? Yeah. Like, prisoners and stuff would well, build the pyramids? Yes. I think that's what happened. Well, I don't know. I'm not a huge history buff. But no. And this isn't a history podcast. No. And, in fact, we're, we don't even need to get into Egyptian history. <laughs> um, and Branford's basement history is behind them, at least this week. For now. So, right now, um, the Branford Red Sox, seventh. What do we see? What do we like? And who is their all-star? Yeah, I mean, it's their most signature win since 2021 um, when they actually won a playoff series back then, even though, again, they they were kind of like Hamilton from last year before Hamilton because they didn't have a good season and then managed to squeak out a series win um, against the Kitchener team that was shorthanded at the time. But I digress. We, won't, we don't have to go into that too deeply. But, yeah, their first, first win – um, at home since last year. First home win of the season, which is good to see for their fans. And they beat a really good team. They beat a Barry team that, um, you know, has been riding high and been feeling themselves a little bit uh, over the last few weeks. So uh, we'll get into what this means for Barry and kind of how this, this affects them. Uh, we'll get into that when it's time to talk about them. But for Brantford, yeah, like they showed a lot of fight in this game, and they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of young guys in their lineup, a lot of young players, pretty young roster for them, and you know they they performed well. Everybody in their lineup had a hit. Uh, Burdett was the only guy in their lineup that didn't have multiple hits, so they really it, it was a t- it was a full team effort for them. Everybody contributed um, on the mound. Ramos came in at the end and shut it down, which is. It's so funny. It was 20 to 15 after seven innings, and then the score stayed that way uh, over the last two innings, which nobody, I don't think anybody really would have predicted that. But um, yeah, no, definitely their most signature win of the season. Uh, their all star for me. I I put him in as a utility guy. Uh, I, I have. So to break down the roster, we've got one guy at each position. We've got a DH, a utility guy, and then four pitchers, as I mentioned earlier. He's the utility guy for this team. Mainly because he's played third and right field a little bit, so he's been he's been all over the field for them. Um, let me just pull up his numbers here. So he, yeah, he's obviously leading the league in batting average by a lot. It's really not even close. He's hitting 450. The next closest guy is hitting under 400. So he's had an outstanding season, getting on base over half of his at bats, not hitting for a whole ton of power. He's only got seven doubles and one homer on the season, but. A guy like that with his bat-to-ball skills, um, you know, he sets the table for everybody else. And Brantford's, Brantford's pitching staff, to put it kindly, is awful. But their offense has been pretty decent. It's been quite respectable. They're sixth in the league in runs scored uh, ahead of London and Guelph. So their offense isn't the problem. Obviously, the, the pitching staff is the problem. Is even in that game where they won, they gave up 15 runs. Um, but... Yeah, Matt Fabian's been outstanding for them all season. Really a, a, a diamond in the rough. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I don't know. I'll tell you personally, no disrespect to Matt, but I didn't know who he was before the season started. I think a lot of people in the league didn't know who he was before the season started. But it's really good to see uh, to see new blood like this uh, enter the league and be as productive as he's been, especially for a Brantford team that's been dying for guys to to give them 
reasons for optimism going forward. And as a young guy, he's only 22 years old. Uh, he should be there for a while, and that's that's definitely a piece they can build around. Yeah, 22 years old, and I don't think he would take offense to people hitting him with the who. Yeah. Um, and all he has to say is, "Oh, you don't know? Just watch." And yeah, his numbers speak for themselves. Nobody's and saying who anymore. No, nobody is saying who, and it's great to see the team finally pick up their first win in over a month. It had been over a month, so mm-hmm. that's one you want to build upon, and they hope to do that. When is their next game? Tonight. Tonight. Yeah, tonight. They How? play Toronto, I think. How convenient. What a segue. Yeah. It's almost like we're good at this. Yeah. No, but tonight, that's correct, 8 p.m., they are hosting Toronto. A rare Monday game. You almost never see these in the league. Right, they're hosting Toronto? Did I just read that I right? I think so. Am I crazy? It does say preview and tickets under their thing, so you would assume that it's mm-hmm. definitely not Toronto because they don't get tickets. Uh, Ooh. Well, it's, it, isn't it in Brantford? Y- well, yeah, that would be the, oh. that would mean they're hosting Toronto. But anytime you see a Toronto home game yeah, on the IBL no website, it just yeah. says preview. It never says tickets, yeah. so that's that's yeah. tough. That's a, that's a giveaway. Yeah. That's a dead giveaway. That. Okay, I will say this, though, about Brantford. This, is the, this, this bothered me. I don't like this. This can't happen again. Oh, no. That game on Sunday was an outstanding game, and nobody could watch it because they didn't have a stream. That can't happen, guys. We need to have a stream for these games because you never know when something like that's going to happen. I wanted to tune in and find out what was going on, and the only way I could follow it was Point Streak, which also is unreliable when it's in Brantford. So, Point guys, Streak is let's not, figure it out. Yeah, Point Streak is not great. And even if I'm being honest, reading the box score from Point Streak is awful. Confusing. I don't want to have to get to the end of a paragraph to find out if it was a single, double, triple, home run, strikeout. Because when you just hit me with strike, and then four lines later it says home run, I'm like, oh, so he threw a strike that he then hit for a home run. Why don't you just tell me mm-hmm. it was a home run? But I get it. Different strokes for different folks. I'm not complaining. The fact that I can problem. pull this stuff up is important enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get some let's get some let's live get stream streams going. going. Guys. Come on! If you need a couple of announcers for your live stream, I know a couple of guys who would call games. Oh wow! I'm gonna insert the cricket noise there. That's tough. <laughs> Do you know a couple guys? I thought maybe that was just us weaseling I don't know, man. our that's way a bit, into that's a, a game. That's a bit of a way out. We could do it. We were just weaseling our way into a we job. We could do it. If somebody wants to listen. If somebody wants to hit us up and and do that, then you know, by all means. What was that song from ABBA? Which chance, one? take a chance, take a take a chance, chance, take a chance on me. You're you're losing me here. Oh, that's tough. All right. Well, that's a locker room <laughs> banger. I know that it is. I know there's a team. Out. Listen, if anybody on there likes ABBA, you just you just hit us up. You're not alone. Let's move on to the next team before I further embarrass myself Let's with my plethora of music knowledge that starts with a <laughs> Swedish pop band. Oh, God, I hope they're Swedish. Um, London. Moving on to the London Majors. And I don't think their all-star is a surprise. We we talked a lot about him, I think, in our last episode. Mm-hmm. But the Majors are sixth in the power rankings. What's going on with them? And um, 
do I spoil? I almost spoiled it. I'll let you spoil who the All Star is. I won't spoil it for you. I mean, it's. I don't think it's a surprise. It's no, Owen it's Booner. Yeah. Owen Boone. No surprise there. And if you thought it was going to be somebody different, you're wrong. Yeah. Sorry about it. <laughs> All right, At the end so of the day, if, if you disagree, that sucks because this is our podcast and we'll say what we want and give our opinions. <sighs> and if you don't like it, that's too bad. You don't got to attack them like that. I mean, you can message us if you if you. OK, but if you really have a problem with Owen Boone being the all star from London, you I got mean, give your head issues. a shake. Give yeah. your head a shake. You got something else going on uh, in your own head. Um, and if you're a teammate of Booner and you think otherwise, maybe don't say it out loud. Yeah. Um, but, and also give your head a shake. Yeah. But I don't think anybody will. No, I know the I, guys in London, and they love they love Owen Boone. They love Owen Boone, and so do we here at Inside Inner County. We also love London. Um, we do. We we want to show London some love. Um, starts with an L, so does love. So the majors. What's, Love's a strong word. Well, I've had too many. There's I've, lots I've, of L words that you could think of, but I'm choosing love with London I've, right <laughs> now. Um, I've, I've pitched against London too many times to say that I love them. Well... What does, I love them for the first five innings when I give up one run, and yeah, then I really don't love them for the sixth and seventh when I give up, like, 12. Well, as the wise Chris Lazar once said, if you don't like it, play better. Yeah, I guess that does go for me too, doesn't it? Goes both ways. Yeah. Anyway, the anyway, majors, topic. number six. Yeah, they, um, I guess we'll start with Boone because we started about that. Booner. He... You can make a fair argument that he's been the best pitcher in the league this season. It's really either him or Gar says. Um, leads the league in strikeouts still. He's only walked seven guys, giving up under a hit per inning. Uh, six starts, only two wins recorded. But again, we've kind of gone into London's offensive struggles this season. One of the most impressive stats from him is in his six starts. Uh, half of those starts, he's recorded at least 10 strikeouts, which... In this league, it's it's tough to do that. It's tough to go deep enough into a game to have that many strikeouts. Um, he's had a couple of outings where he hasn't been the sharpest, one of them against Kitchener, and then one in Hamilton. But even the Hamilton one doesn't really do him justice. Uh, again, I was at that game, and I thought that he got left in a little bit too long for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, because he's earned it, and also because their pitching situation is a little bit strained. But he had given up two runs going into that seventh inning, even in that game. So he is, he's without question, um, ace material, without question, one of the top two arms in the league this season. And every time he's on the mound, London's got a chance to win, which for a team that's really struggled to pick up wins this season, that's, that's really important for them. We missed something. What did we miss? About Owen. Oh, no. Sorry, Owen. We missed saying happy birthday to Mr. Boone, who just celebrated his 30th birthday, July 5th, the big 3-0. I'll be doing that August 17th. Dang, 30. That's exciting. Wow. Happy birthday, Booner. He's having himself a year, and maybe this, you know, 30s 30s is his year. It it appears like it might be. Um, He... Now, granted, he's had a lot of good years in the league. Yeah. Um, but this yeah, you one, look at his numbers. I mean, they're all good. Yeah, his like the only season that compares to this one, I suppose, is his 2021 season when he put up a 2.32 ERA. But I would say this season is far more impressive. Number one, his walks number, his walk numbers are lower. His strikeout numbers are on pace to be much higher. He has 
10 less strikeouts, but he has 20 less innings pitched at this point. ERA is roughly the same. And that 21 season, it was all Canadians. There was no imports. Travel was a problem, so we didn't really get guys from outside of Southern Ontario. Whereas now you're seeing a bunch of guys from BC and Alberta and the U.S. and the DR and Cuba and all kinds of places. And so there's more there's more talent in the league this year, and Boone still throwing up crazy numbers. So if London's gonna gonna really turn the corner here, he's he's gonna be the most important aspect of that. He's gotta stay pitching this well because their offense isn't doing them a whole lot of favors right now. Outside of Boone, what is the number one way? that London turns it around. And I know you kind of said their offense isn't really doing them any favors, and maybe that's where we start. But is there something outside of maybe the offense that jumps out at you as, if you made this one tweak, you might be on the path to running away with a you know higher ranking spot and just staying out strong? The So a couple of things with London. Number one, Credit where it's due. They've won four out of their last five. Three of those wins against top four teams in the league. Um, two of those starts were Owen Boone starts, where he was almost perfect in both of those starts, giving up one earned run in his last two starts combined. Um, but we talked about Boone enough, so we'll move to, to the rest of it. The offense is a real cause for concern for them. Their offense is forcing them to be basically perfect at this point. Uh, their game on Friday against Kitchener was a two-to-one walk-off win where, again, they had to be basically perfect. And, yeah, Kitchener's starter was really good that night, but that's the thing about this league is you're going to get you're going to see good pitchers almost every night. So you got to figure out a way to get, to get hits against them and score runs. And credit to them because they found a way to win, but at the same time, they uh, it's, it's not sustainable to continue to win games two-to-one, four-to-one, three-to-one in this league. This league, people have all often said that this league it's a race to six or a race to seven, depending on the year. First team to get six runs wins. And London hasn't gotten there very often. And when you have a guy like Owen Boone on the mound, that's great. But there's only so many aces in the league. And um, the odds of you having two of them on the same team or three of them makes it really difficult. And when you're playing two or three games a week, you're going to have to score runs to win games. So... They um they definitely need to address their offense. Now, it seems like they've addressed their pitching. It seems like their pitching is better. Springer had another good outing out of the bullpen. Uh, Farrington was good out of the bullpen on Sunday. Uh, Gonzalez was excellent against Kitchener on Friday. So those are all signs for encouragement, and they are looking better than they have for the most part of the season. But if they really want to give themselves a chance to win a third straight title – they are going to need to improve their offense. And I know Roop well enough to know that he's not going to just lay down. He's going to find ways to improve that offense. Um, but a lot of it also comes down to the guys that have been there that just aren't doing enough, right? Like Starlin Joseph, he can be better. Um, Byron's been really good. So he's he's been one of their consistent pieces. Cleveland Brownlee, it's tough because he's, he's getting old. I think it's probably going to be his last season. Um... You know, he's not having the best season. Keith Kandel at the bottom of the order. He's been one of the best nine hitters in the league for a long time. He's also not having a great season. So uh, it's unfortunate because they have a lot of guys who have contributed in the past, and you'd like to think they're going to turn it around. But it's time to turn it around, guys. Like, the offense needs to get going because if it doesn't, 
again, you're forcing your pitchers to be perfect, and that's a really tough place to be. Don't force us to call you mediocre because you know what happens. Maybe that's what they need. Hey, maybe we need it, yeah. maybe we need an, a word for each team, and we have to find what that spark word is. Yeah. Figure out what fires each team up. That's flirting with fire, though. Yeah. I don't want to. Because then everybody's going to get mad at me. I'm not trying to get people mad at myself either. Yeah. I, do my, I try and be a good middleman. Oh, well. Yeah. We move on. Oh, by the way, again, happy birthday to Boone. Um, shouts to him. So, we move on, and I, geez, I kind of feel like the, maybe the sports um, demons or, or the, the bad luck is following me in other ways. I know, of course, I've said on this podcast before that when I make a prediction, usually the opposite happens. Um, same thing if I buy a jersey. I'll never forget I, I have a collection of jerseys, so don't take me buying a specific jersey with a player name or anything on it as me loving that team or loving that player. Mm -hmm. But I, I do remember buying an, an Aaron Judge Yankees jersey a handful of seasons ago. Bought it as like one of those summertime jerseys, just toss it on, go to the beach, whatever. He broke his hand like three days after I got the jersey. And then it just kind of escalated from there. Every time I get a jersey, the player changes their number. Um... I was gifted an Arenado Rockies jersey, and then a few years later, he became a Cardinal. Shouts to the Cardinals. Which leads me into this next transition, where I hope we didn't curse the Hamilton Cardinals by chatting with, with Eric, Eric Spearin. Yeah. Because Sorry, Eric. it seems like the Cardinals <laughs> are on have a bit of a skid right now, where they're actually fourth. Sorry, fifth. Wow, I am... I'm jumping ahead on myself here. They're number five on this week's power rankings, but not without the help of one Tyler Duncan pushing them along and helping them stay in the race. So the Cardinals, what's going on? Bit of a skid right now. Yeah, so our first outfielder on the All-Star team is Tyler Duncan, as you mentioned, and we'll get into him a little bit later. I'll say this about Hamilton. I don't think that they're necessarily like skidding I suppose like they've lost three of their last four which is their worst stretch of the season but if your worst stretch of the season is losing three out of four you're doing okay you know and they've they've had a good season they were bound to have some form of regression a little bit every team goes through a stretch of losing three out of four we saw it with Welland recently Barry at the start of the season was like five and five to start so Toronto um, seems to be doing it left right and center Toronto Toronto games losing games winning games there's no you can't, yeah, like... Streaks there with, don't exist. With Toronto, every week of writing is different because you really don't know what's going to happen with that team. But staying on Hamilton, um, you know, they've been really consistent this year, and they continue to put together consistent performances. They're just not ending up on the right side of the of the win column. Uh, tough weekend for them. They did beat Brantford on Sunday, or sorry, on Friday. Sa uh, again, a tough stretch here. At Barry Saturday afternoon, going up against Frank Garces. That's always a difficult matchup. Gave it a bit of a run. They had the tying run at the plate in the ninth. Weren't able to pull through. That'll happen. And then in Toronto on Sunday, what did we say about Christy Pitts on Sunday? You're probably going to lose if you have to go to Christy Pitts on a Sunday. So, um, I don't put, in terms of their long-term view, I don't put too much stock into this little stretch of games that they've lost. The worst loss in that stretch was the Canada Day game against London. They had them beat. They they were up 4 nothing in that game in the seventh inning. 
and blew it. So that was disappointing for them. But outside of that, um, there's not much to to dislike about what Hamilton's done this year. I will say this. Their pitching depth has been exposed a little bit uh, this season. They had uh, Shofflin start on Friday. He was pretty good for them, so hopefully that helps shore up their rotation a little bit. But unfortunately, Sunday they had Colby Ring and uh, Jason Wilbur both pitch, and they weren't great in that outing. Again, though, it is a Sunday at the pits, so it's tough. But, yeah, like I guess the one thing that they're going to want to look at is their offense. They scored four runs each of their last two games. Which scoring two runs in or scoring four runs in Toronto on a Sunday, that's a very low number to get. And Procopio pitched well, but it's not like Toronto was throwing out aces, right? It's not like they were seeing an Owen Boone or a Garces or a, or a Christian Houck. So that part of it would be a little bit concerning to me. But again, I think I think they'll figure it out. Brandon Nicholson just got there. Uh, I think he picked up a hit in each game. So you know he's still getting accustomed to things there. Uh, the middle of their order is still performing well. Tyler Duncan, as we mentioned, still performing well. So uh, I wouldn't be too, too concerned about them at this point. Yeah, Duncan's having himself a really good year and has almost reached totals from last season already. So a breakout that the Cardinals are certainly enjoying. And nice to hear that Nicholson is kind of getting his feet wet right away and getting comfortable. We figured that would happen, though. He's looked good at short. I'll tell you what. I, I watched a couple of the games. He uh, he made an error on Saturday against Barry, but outside of that, like he's he's made some good plays. He's he's looked comfortable at shortstop, so that's really really encouraging for them. Hopefully, he uh, he continues to do that because they need the help up the middle. Well, a team that is getting help from a plethora of positions. You like that? A plethora. Plethora. It's a good word. This team, which is now fourth in this week's power rankings, the team being Kitchener, the Panthers, number four, and how fitting for the number four spot to be given four all-star selections. Wow. Almost like the IBL's Dodgers or something when they used to have everybody show up when you were actually an all-star. Instead of just fan voting and, you know, when the leagues needed to be fair and every team needs representation, well, this team is getting fully represented in our mock all-star team. But the Panthers, what do we like about their week? And what have we, uh, what have we kind of seen from them putting them now at number four? In terms of their week... Um, I'm going to be honest, there's not much to like about what happened this week for Kitchener. Uh, kind of fell back down to earth with a trio of losses. Granted, against some pretty good teams, but, you know, a 2-1 to one loss to the London Majors. Your pitching staff that we've kind of lamented over the last little while puts up a great outing, and you only score one run. So it feels like the the issue with Kitchener for me is it feels like they haven't figured out how to put it all together yet right how to get consistent pitching with consistent offense um and that's been that's been an issue for them they've been up and down all season right it's like one game they'll they'll pitch well and they will 
or, or like they'll they'll hit the crap out of the ball and then it'll make their pitchers' lives really easy and they usually thrive in that scenario. But when the game is tight, for the most part, their pitching has let them down. It didn't on Friday and they still weren't able to pull it out. So that's that that was a tough pill to swallow for them. Sunday in uh, Sunday in Kitchener taking on Welland again, as we've said before, if you have if you trail late in the game against Welland, you're going to lose because Davey Mendez is looming and he doesn't give up runs. Um, Chris Boato also came back for them. Uh, the we, Rabid Wolverine. Yeah, shout out Chris Boato. The Rabid Wolverine, Chris Boato. Yeah, and if you don't know what that's from, I'm going to let you Google that yourself. Yep. Um, but he'll know, and if he's listening, you are now the IBL's Rabid Wolverine. It's such a, like, it's such a fitting name for him too because when he's pitching it's it's Boato's hilarious Boato's one of my good friends and he's hilarious because he's like the most laid-back dude in the world like super chill high energy whatever and then he gets on the mound and he's just a psychopath like the dude's just angry like at nothing and we he I remember last year I think it was against Kitchener actually he struck out the side we were up like 11 or something and he comes into the dugout and he's pissed off like so mad and me and Morello look at each other like what is wrong with this guy and he comes in and he's just pissed off because it took him 10 pitches to get three strikeouts instead of nine and I'm like yo like you did really well like chill but that's just how he is so the rabid wolverine is a, is a fitting nickname well it's funny him. you say that too because I remember I think it was Wellen's first or maybe second game at the pits this year and I was over on the well inside of the field and Underhill was getting warmed up and he and Boato were just kind of shooting the shit side there and he just kind of seems like a good teammate guy like 100% cracking jokes he was you know he was animated but the umpire the first base umpire missed two calls and I'm on that side and uh, he missed two calls in fact I can't remember who it was that offered to show their camera to them like to the umpire um, somebody in the dugout mm-hmm. was like, I'll show, I have the video right here. You missed it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, um, he can flip like a switch. Oh my God. He was joking one minute and I don't even think he saw the missed call, but he turned around and he was like, <laughs> yeah, you missed a call. And he like got right on him. And I was like, I don't even think you saw it, bro. But like, yeah, you, he was, <laughs> he was so ready. He was fighting for his teammate. So anyway, the rabid Wolverine, um, yeah, good teammate guy. One more quick, uh, one more quick thing on him before we get back to Kitchener. Yeah, but Kitchener, we yeah, love you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but uh, yeah, he. It's so funny if you're ever at a game, or if you're, um, yeah, like if you're at a game, you probably won't hear it on a stream. But if you're at a game, and Wellen's playing, and Boato's in the bullpen, and there's a pitch that is, uh, like at the knees, and it's called a ball, and Welland is pitching. If you hear someone go, that's not down, or that's not out, that's not up, it doesn't matter if he was watching or not, right? It's Boato. It's Boato every time, all the time. It's always him, and everybody knows it, and it's so funny. Because, um, like, when you're, like, I'll be pitching, and I'll throw a pitch, I'll be like, oh, boy, that's a good spot. Not down. And I'm like, dude, like, there's no way you could see that. You're behind the, like, dugout like you're warming up or something i'm gonna start to incorporate that into my mlb the show game yep just start yelling that wasn't down that wasn't what do you mean start yelling i yell at that mf all the time i hate that guy back back to to kitchener Kitchener. and they're led by not 
not Bowato. They have a handful <laughs> of leaders. Weird. That would be weird. Um, one of them, <laughs> I, funny I leaders. See what you, did there. you yeah, like that? I see what you did exactly. There. No spoilers, but here we are: Liam Wilson, Raúl González, Christian Hauk, and Andy Leader, leading the way for Kitchener, and they are named this team's four All Stars. It's a lot to unpack, but why these four? In particular, and I guess what are they doing not just for Kitchener, but why on your all star list? Yeah, they so Kitchener, I guess we kind of buried the lead a little bit. They have the most amount of people on this all star team that I created. Um, Liam Wilson is the starting first baseman, Raul Gonzalez would be the starting shortstop, Andy Leader would be uh, one of the outfielders, and then Christian Houck is one of the four pitchers on the all star team, and all really deserving guys. I'm not going to get into each guy's numbers individually because that's going to take very long. But That's what Google is for. That's what Google is for, yeah. Just look up their names and IBL stats and you'll find them. And if you can decipher the IBL website <laughs> and Point you. Street, good yeah. for you. Um, but, yeah, so they, those three guys have really led the offense this season uh, consistently, day in, day out. They've been outstanding. Raul Gonzalez was obviously player of the month back in May. Andy Leader and Liam Wilson have been mainstays in that lineup for a long time. They've made a number of all-star teams between the two. Uh, and Christian Houck, as we've mentioned, is having probably his best season yet as a Kitchener Panthers. So uh, those four guys are definitely leading the pack. The issue for Kitchener is that outside of those four, they haven't gotten – well, Elliot Curtis is in there too, but the problem, with, the problem for Elliot was that he was hurt for a little while, so he doesn't have the games played. Um, but they, um, like outside of those three in the lineup and Elliot, the consistent effort offensively hasn't necessarily been there in terms of production. They have some on base guys with Jeff Jarvis and Blake Jacklin, but they're not, they're not producing extra base hits. And so when those four guys in the middle of the lineup aren't clicking, it makes it tough for them to, to go out and win and, and win games, especially with their pitching staff, as we mentioned, their pitching staff hasn't been awfully great. Although, if there is one thing to be encouraged by this week, it's that Friday and Sunday they gave up a total of, or well, Sunday they gave up seven runs, but it was a little bit different. It's a Jack Couch game on a Sunday. You'll take that. Um, and then obviously only giving up the two runs on the Friday. So their pitching staff has, looks like they're getting better. Jacob Douglas having a good season as well. Um, but at the same time, they're going to need those three guys plus Elliot Curtis to really carry their offense because they're really only going to go as far as those four guys take them. And when you say as far as those guys will take them, what, where do you see them, I guess, fall? Like, we're in that halfway point. Is is this kind of where we're going to see them sit all year? Or do you think that they have a chance, you know, putting all those pieces together? Could they run away with this thing in the second half? I again, mean, again, I, I talk like it's you know yeah, not you're eight put, you're teams, me on and spot like here. I know, yeah. I know, and I I talk like there aren't just eight teams, and it's almost like I forget what I say earlier. Of course, okay. we know that every week can change, and mm-hmm. all those other things, and yeah, pretending that that doesn't, you know, yeah. like we I didn't have Kitchener. I will say this that. about Kitchener is consistently Kitchener is not one of those teams that will turn over their roster, um, like midway through the season or anything. Generally, the guys you have on the team now 
are going to be the guys that are going to be there, save for maybe one or one import arm, maybe two. I know they're still waiting on an import arm, which should help them, but they um their their team is pretty much what it's going to be. In terms of where they land long term, looking at like chances to win a title and whatever, can they win an IBL championship? Possibly if everything goes right. They're for me, they're too up and down. They're too inconsistent uh, to see them do that. But it is so wide open this year that there's no reason to believe they can't get hot for three weeks, you know, and just pummel everybody into the ground and do that. But again, it's going to be difficult to for them to win a championship unless they find some consistency. Um, especially on the mound. Their offense has been fairly consistent this year, but on the mound they've been very up and down, and come playoff time that is that is difficult. It's also going to come down to matchups for them. Uh, for example, I don't think they match up very well against Welland, um, but against Toronto, I actually don't think they match up too poorly because both of those teams are offensive juggernauts. Um, actually, you know what? I take that back. They haven't fared too well against Toronto this year now that I look at it. But um, like right now, if – if we look at the standings, and give me one second while I pull these up. Of course. If the playoffs were to start today, they would play Toronto, and Toronto would be the home team for that series. So the, the floor for Kitchener is first-round exit. You go up against Toronto in the first round, it's going to be tough to win that series, especially when they have home field. But, you know, they're also tied with Hamilton and, and, and Toronto for the three seed. If Hamilton falls down to four, I think Kitchener matches up really well against Hamilton. Um, if Kitchener gets up to three, I think they match up really well against London in the series. So uh, for them, it's going to really depend on matchup, and that's also why I think it's so important for them in the regular season to get as high up the standings as they can. Chris, do you hear that? Does that sound like a train to you? All aboard the Toronto Maple Leafs train, led by their fearless conductor, John Salazzo. That's right. We move on in the power rankings to the Toronto Maple Leafs and their all-star third baseman. And for those of you who don't know, that's Jonathan with an H. And there's nothing that that guy dislikes more than forgetting the H in his name. So for those of you who don't know and who did not know, never, never catch him, you know, never catch him writing it. Don't miss the H. That H for him stands for hitting. Because holy cow does that guy know how to hit. And if you missed it, that ball that he hit this weekend still hasn't landed. That was an absolute nuke to the moon. Wow. What a guy. What a game between Welland and Toronto, actually, this weekend. But the Maple Leafs in the three spot. For me, the top three is where they belong, so they're in the right spot, led the way by their all-star third baseman. What's going down with the Maple Leafs over at the pits? That game on uh, Saturday against Welland, those are games that we in the league dream of because it was only two hours and 25 minutes long, which is absolutely wonderful. 
Nobody loves getting a Saturday night game done at 8.30 more than players in the IBL. We need more of those. Um, Plenty of time to go out, hit yes. the town. Yes. Grab dinner with your wife and kids or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever your taste of people and family relationships are. It's just a good time to end a game. Let's do more of that. Yeah, let's let's have quicker games, guys. I wonder if they'll bring in the pitch clock next year. I mean, with what if what we're seeing with Manoa, right? I mean, you might want to maybe bring it in a little bit earlier mm-hmm. before these guys start talking about pressure mm-hmm. and calling themselves. Oh, by the way, he's he's evolved, mm-hmm. Manoa. Yeah, he's no longer a puma. Oh, did God. you catch that? Oh God, did you not catch that? No. Oh, in his interview prior to his start against Toronto, which was a good start for Toronto. for Toronto against the Tigers this past weekend, sorry, he had a quote where he basically was like, yeah, I'm ready to get back and I'm a lion. So he's he's evolved from the Puma to a lion. How do you evolve when you're worse? This guy just likes big cats. <laughs> so that's all I'm gathering. And oh, is that what we're going to start calling Salazzo, the big no, cat? I don't think so. Absolutely not. We'll just stay with the conductor. The conductor. I like that name. He's leading the charge. Nothing will ever get old seeing that home run celebration. Again, shouting out the Bushmen, always pointing to them with his little choo-choo around third base. Little shouts to Jackie as well, always out there on third baseline. I uh, Also, this is a little tidbit that we're just going to throw in here in the middle. Um, but the last, the last week or two, I have, uh, I have kind of gone from IBL podcaster to IBL insider a little bit, and I have a little bit more inside knowledge for anyone who's made it to this point in the podcast. Um, while not confirmed and I don't, I don't know where this is at cause it's been a couple weeks since I've heard this rumor, but there is a rumor uh, and I've heard this from multiple sources um, that the pitch clock is a possibility for next year and that they are looking at implementing it. Now, whether or not it happens, whether or not it's logistical, because there are there is a lot that goes into that, um, and maybe we can talk about that on another podcast when they actually do come out and say it or until I get confirmation on it, we won't talk about it too much, but... Um, we'll see how that goes, but I think that would be that would be really really neat if they were able to implement that next year. So I have heard rumors about that happening, and I don't think you would see much opposition to it if it did. Well, it just means that there is going to be less time between moonshots from guys like Salazzo. But I think that's a good thing to implement and keep, especially like we said, some of these guys are coming from a league where they're used to it. Some of these guys are preparing themselves for a future where they will be using it. So it might stink for maybe, I don't know, I guess an IBL veteran who's like used to a routine and those sorts of things. But at the same time... Sucks, man. Oh, well. At the same time, even well, even it's the games product. I'm watching, it's I don't see a lot of these guys pulling the Manny Machado or pulling the Javier Baez where they need to come out every single time and... and touch you know spectacles testicles wallet watch Mm -hmm. and adjust their gloves and all those other things that's an Austin Powers reference for those of you who don't know um but yeah I think the anyway the Maple Leafs yep back to Toronto back to Toronto who do have a game tonight 
in yes. Brantford. Um, I'm not going to predict a win, especially after that slugfest that Brantford went on over the weekend, but... I will say Brantford's running on fumes, though. Yeah. Was, they had to use a lot of pitchers yesterday. Yeah. So it's going to be, be... This could be a shellacking. It's like, going it to get ugly tonight. It's going to be tough. Um, Toronto's feeling themselves coming into that one as well, especially with a win over Hamilton and a close one over Welland, or against Welland, uh, falling just short there. Um, what did we... And what did we not... Was there anything in particular about Toronto? I can't remember if we had... I don't think we even really went into it. I think well, we, we didn't dive. In, we didn't dive into too much, and that's yeah. that was going to be my next thing. But I thought maybe I'm just going through my notes here. I thought there was something before, but I didn't write it down, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Toronto number three. Why? Um, well, they're playing better again, right? Like we said about them earlier, they are the weirdest team in the league. Where they, some weeks they're really really elite, and then some weeks they just mail it in. Um, and this week was not one of those mail-it-in weeks. They played very well all weekend. Saturday was a battle between, um, between I guess, Wellen's ace and their ace for now, I suppose. Maybe, um, I think it was Alvarado that threw that game. So, they uh, maybe they found something there with him, um, with Alvarado. And... Again, Wellens, Wellens starter Hartford was outstanding in that game as well. But, yeah, Salazzo's been nothing short of spectacular so far this season. Um, not much not much to dislike about his season so far. 29 RBIs, 9 home runs, um, near the top of the league in batting average as well. Near the top of the league in pretty much every category as an OPS of 1281 on the season. And he's, it's funny because he's actually had like a relatively rough stretch uh, recently going, um, what is that? Let me do the math quick. Two for his last 12 over his last four games. So even with that stretch, he's still putting up an OPS of 1281 and he's still one of the statistical leaders in the league across all categories. So he's been great and they've needed him uh, in that lineup. The thing with Toronto is even when he's not producing, they can still put up runs as well as anybody else. The other encouraging thing for them is getting Garrett Takamatsu back for now. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Tack. Um, I hear that he might go back to Quebec after he qualifies um, for for the playoffs with his at-bats. We'll see what happens there. But their, uh, yeah, their offense is... It's very, very good. They scored, you know, in their last four games, they have 11-11. They have the game against Welland and then eight against Hamilton. So they continue to put up put up runs. Their pitching staff looks like it's getting better. Evan Elliott has been a good pickup for them. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Welland wasn't done making moves. One of those moves went to Toronto. Uh, Taylor Lepard was picked up by them. He pitched well the other day. So it looks like they are adding arms which is good. That's what that's what they need to do in order for them to get to where they want to go. And again, the last couple of years, they've had one guy that was an ace, pretty much, that could go out there and just shut a team down. And with that offense, you really only need like one of those to, to give yourself a real shot. And maybe Alvarado's that guy for them. We'll, we'll see. Well, honorable mention, for me anyway, to Jesse Hodges as well. Um Guy's electric. 
just an electric personality, outstanding player. So they're not my rankings. That's probably why. But I got uh, I got Hodges. Shouts to you, boy. Our final two spots. Holy moly, we are flying. And then I look at the time, and it's like, are we? Say, are we flying? Wow, we. No, we've done a lot of talking. We have done a lot of talking eh, today. That's what we're here for. But that's what we figured this all-star episode would be like. Our final two teams, though, um, the Barry Baycats and the Welland Jackfish, respectfully, in the two and the one spot. Barry, um, they have, again, two all-stars that you have selected that we have talked about in our last episode and episodes previous. But leading the way is Frank Garces and Ryan Rio, those Barry Baycats sitting in the two spot. What's popping with them Baycats? Yeah, they uh, their stay at the top of the rankings was fairly short-lived. That'll happen when you lose 20 to 15 to the current basement dwellers of the IBL. Um, yeah, they... Um, you know they had a they had an okay week. They only played two games. They played Hamilton on the Saturday, and then Brantford on the Sunday. I guess the most disappointing part about that for Barry is that you've only had two games, and Garces started one of them, so you didn't really have to use a whole lot of arms on the Saturday, and yet you still gave up twenty runs on Sunday to a team that yeah Brantford's offense is okay, but they're still sixth in the league. It's not like they're an elite offense in the IBL, and you gave up twenty runs against them. So, um, yeah, I mentioned. I've mentioned in the past that Barry's pitching staff has performed well, but I've also mentioned that their pitching depth concerns me, and I'm worried that come playoff time, outside of Garces, who do they really have that's going to stand out and be a stud for them? Two of their last three games, so just to give you a recap, let's actually go back to their last five games. Toronto, they gave up eight runs. Welland, they gave up seven runs. Kitchener, they gave up 14 runs. Hamilton, four runs. Brantford, 20 runs. And that Welland game where they gave up seven, they even had Garces start and they gave up two runs over the first seven innings. The Hamilton game, same idea. I think they only gave up one run over the first seven innings. So, again, with Frank Garces on the mound, they're the best team in the league. I don't think there's any question about that. With Frank Garces on the mound, they're the best team in the league. Without him on the mound, I don't think they are. And I don't think they're, I, I don't know if they're a top two team in the league without him. Um, and unfortunately, in a five-game playoff series, at best, Garces can pitch twice. So you're going to have to find a way to win a game without him on the mound. And they, again, they haven't done that since June 28th. I know that that's not that long ago. It's only five games ago or whatever. But, yeah, their last two games where they didn't have Garces on the mound, they gave up a combined 34 runs. And so that's a cause for concern for them. Again, they're, they've had a great season so far with that really long winning streak. And as we mentioned, they're going to hit a slide. Maybe this is their slide. I will say this about Barry, okay? You want to stick your chest out and you want to talk that talk and call people out for calling you average and stuff like that, okay? As we said on the last podcast, don't slip up now, okay? So, yes, it's one game against Brantford, but you guys got to figure it out. If you want to be, if you if you want us to give you that consistent respect, put you at the top of that leaderboard, which we have, right? I think we've been very fair with Barry. I think we've put them at the top when they deserve to be at the top. But now it's time to back it up. And what's going to be your motivating factor 
now that we're not calling you average anymore and there's real expectations with your team and people are coming for you. So we'll see we'll see how things play out. They have a they have a fairly busy week with um, three games over the course of I think it's five days or four four games over the course of six days. So they do have a, a busy a busy stretch going on and their pitching depth will be tested. And it's a tough stretch. You got Toronto, you got London, you got Hamilton, you got Kitchener. So you got a tough stretch coming up. I think this is going to tell us a lot about this team and what they're made of outside of Frank Arsis, who's only going to start one of those four games. And a team that finds themselves kind of back in that first spot. Winners of four straight. And a team that has, what, three games in their next six? So these teams are starting to play more games. Um, and the number one, Well and Jackfish, are still at the top. And I say still because outside of that brief appearance by Barry, um, they're back. They're in their re they're in their home. I think four of the last five weeks they've been number one. Yeah, so I mean they that that's they don't leave the Airbnb uh very open, often, yeah. Open for too long for renting. Um, what can you say about them being and continuing to be a wagon? And if I'm not mistaken, they have the second highest number of all-star selections for yourself, Mr. Lazar. Correct. Sam Cocker, Hogan Brown, Davey Mendez, and an honorable mention? Yeah, I felt the need to put that there because, like, Third base for me, the d most difficult position to pick from for the All Stars was third base, and I gave it to Salazzo because I think he deserves it. Um, but you also can't sneeze at the season James Mybert's had; he's had an outstanding year. So that's that's why I put him there as well as a as an honorable mention. Yeah, for them, Sam Cocker as a catcher has been the most productive catcher offensively in the league. Uh, Hogan Brown had a great great start to the season. Kind of fell off a little bit, but then had a really good weekend uh, with an outstanding performance against Kitchener. And what more is there to say about Davey Mendez? The guy just doesn't give up runs. Like, it's if he's coming into the game, you're screwed. It's over. Um, so, there, so those three guys have, have kind of led them uh, so far, but they've really had so many good contributions. Like, if we did like a top four all stars at each position, they'd probably have a guy at almost every position for those top four. So, while they might not have the most amount of guys that are playing the best for their position, they certainly have the most amount of 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 guys playing at a high level. And so that's that's kind of shown itself here in the last few the last few games. Again, sweeping the week, winning four straight Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday after losing four of their last five before that. And as we mentioned, I think before, we didn't expect them to stay down for very long. It was just a question of when they were going to turn it around. And it really just speaks to their depth that they're able to lose a guy like a Brandon Nicholson and still put up runs consistently uh, outside of the Toronto game, scoring at least seven runs in each of the other three. So even without Nicholson, they're still putting up those runs. And they've got more <laughs> reinforcements coming this week because um, Alberto Guerrero has arrived and he's supposed to start tomorrow against London Oof. so that is going to be a 
a must a must tune in a must watch. That's must watch for people around the league. And I know the MLB All Star Game's on, but get yourself two screens, put it on a laptop. It'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see what he looks like. I'm really excited to see that tomorrow. Nobody's watching the MLB All Star Game. Yeah, I'll watch the Derby. I'll have it on in like the background. Like I'll tune in and out. If Romano pitches, I guess I'll pay attention. Yeah, but that start is definitely one to keep your eye on. Yeah, so they um, and and between him, Jafin had a good start Sunday. Harford had a good start Saturday. They might have found their three starters, and that's the best one, two, three in the league. They are easily the team to beat. Um, I know we said that Barry was number one last week, but Welland is still the team to beat. They're still the team to. Um, that's kind of the measuring stick for everybody in the league uh, when you're comparing yourself to a team. So we'll see how things play out the rest of the season, but I don't. I also don't think that they're done messing with the roster. So they're still going to actively try to get better, and we'll see what we'll see what happens. But yeah, as of right now, it's hard to see to put any team above them. They've just been so outstanding. An absolute wagon. All year. That completes the power rankings for this week on Inside Inner County. And before we let everybody go, we will have Chris now kind of take us through our Inside Inner County All Star team, and just kind of go around the go around the diamond, you know, the you know, and we'll uh, we'll name off who they are, what team, what position. We won't get into why, because we just did for the last hour. Mm -hmm. And if you missed that, I don't know how you ended up here. So, I think the only guys that we didn't talk about were Garces and Rio. Now, I don't feel the need to talk about Garces because we've talked about how great he is. By the way, you are a jinx. He did walk a guy on on Saturday, right after you said he was going to. Um, Insert Homer inside the bush meme here. (laughs) Um but regardless, still had an outstanding start. He's been he's been excellent all season. Probably would be the IBL Cy Young, so to speak, at this point in the year. Him or Boone. I'd agree. Um, but yeah, let's and then and then Ryan Rio obviously has had an outstanding season. We spent almost an entire episode talking about him. So yeah, I wasn't trying to undercut them. Of yeah, course, it's just for sure. Go listen to. We've been talking for so long too. Go listen to some previous episodes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's go around the diamond. Let's start at catcher and kind of work our way around. Or do you want to do it a different way? No, I'll, I think I think we can do it that way. All right. I'll just I'll, I'll I'll list this off pretty quickly just to remind everybody where everyone stands. So at catcher we've got Sam Cocker from the Well and Jackfish. At first base we've got Liam Wilson from the Kitchener Panthers. At second base we've got Brando Larue from Guelph. At shortstop we have Raul Gonzalez also from the Kitchener Panthers. At third base we've got John Salazzo from Toronto with the honorable mention to Smybird as we mentioned. Uh, Our three outfielders, I didn't pick left field, center field, right field. We just went three outfielders. That's how they do it in the big leagues. We've got Tyler Duncan from Hamilton, Andy Leader from Kitchener, and Hogan Brown from Welland. The utility guy is Matt Fabian from Brantford. Designated hitter, we've got Ryan Rio from Barrie. Starting pitchers, we've got three of them. Owen Boone from London, Frank Garces from Barrie, and Christian Houck from Kitchener. And the closer for the all-star team is Davey Mendez from Welland. So there is your 2023 mid-season IBL all-star team. I was telling you before the, before the show started that the IBL used to have an all-star game. And I kind of wish they brought it back 
but they used to play the Canadian Junior National Team in an All-Star game, and that was always fun. Um, now they just announce a first and second team at the end of the season. This was essentially just a first team with like plus the pitchers. The pitchers, they do it differently. They've got two left-handed pitchers, two right-handed pitchers. So, But I didn't want to get into all that. I just went with kind of best available. Well, that's um, why we also have some honorable mentions. And exactly. it's, it's tough right now to differentiate between the two, but maybe by the end of the season, mm-hmm. you do have those honorable mentions either being the first team choice um, or staying as an honorable mention and being that second team choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess if we were going to do a manager of the of the all-star game i guess we'd have to i mean it's it's tough i actually didn't think about this hold me back hold me back we should have we should have thought about this if we had if we had two coaches on the staff and they were brian essery and josh mallow we might have a fight so because those are the two that got mad at each other on uh on canada day so i don't know i think i think there's three guys realistically that have been that have been near the top there um i'm not going to pick one but brian essery obviously you know welland is the top team in the league Granted, you could also say that they're expected to be there. Um, Barry wasn't necessarily expected to be at the top, so there's definitely an argument for Josh Matlow. And then Dean Castelli, who was unceremoniously let go last year, came back this year and has Hamilton in a good spot once again with a chance to break a franchise record. It, if he were to win manager of the year, it'd be his third one. So um, those are the three guys that I really look at. Um, you know, Shout out also to Bill Matitich from... Kitchener, he's been he's done a good job there. They're thirteen and ten after a season where they finished sixth in the league. So, um, yeah, it's really tough to pick out right now. It'll probably be a lot more clear by the end of the season. But with the schedules or with the standings so so tight, it's hard to really pick one guy. Wow, if I was looking at this team, I would say the only thing missing is an owner. But we could just call Eric Spearin for that. Yeah. Call him up again. Hey, we got an all-star team. No bias at all. By None. The way. Well, that's he's the only one we stalked. We it, exactly. we stalked. We talked to. We, we talked. definitely we didn't, didn't stalk him. Well, we might have stalked his like his social media and stuff just to get information for the interview. Fun fact. Um, here's Third a job. here's a little story. Uh, I know a guy who will uh, Google Street View your house and then text you a photo of it, being like, "Hi, it's blank." Like their name. And just leave it at that. And, like, that's their introduction. That's so weird. So, I know a guy. Uh, that's so weird. Yeah. I don't... I, uh, do you think this was the right platform to, to let to let people know that? I had to just get it off my chest. Does it bother you, too? Well, I don't want it to be me. <laughs> so, I get the whole never letting them know your next move, but... Yeah. Never Google Street View my home. Yeah. Or anybody's home. That's weird. That's a different level of creeper. That's crazy. You don't need Google Street View to find this week's IBL schedule. Of course, you can check out the website. There's a plethora of games happening throughout the week. Chris, it was a pleasure as always. always. I love the way we broke down, or you broke down. It's a lot of we that goes on because it's a podcast it a team, together. Man. But it they, is are, a team. they are your they are your power rankings, and your creativity goes a long way. So kudos to you for putting those together. I enjoy them. The teams enjoy them. We know that the players get fired up with them. And, uh, of course, the league wouldn't have asked you to continue doing them if they didn't think you were doing a good job. So there's a 30-second we love Chris little little ending. You like I appreciate that? that, man. Well, hey, 
You started off by calling me an all-star. Well, you, sir, are an all-star. Does that make me a four-time all-star now? Crickets again. I don't know what, yeah, that's tough. You know what? I'm trying to find anything to hang on to because I'm so, like, I'll tell you what, I'm so glad I'm doing this because if I wasn't, I would be so bored this summer. Like, this weekend, I really didn't do anything. Um, It's been really boring. Like, I can't wait to play again next year. I'm very, very fired up for that. Well, we're looking forward to it as well. For myself, Andrew, the stuntman, Stewitz, and the illustrious Chris, the laser beam, Lazar, thank you for joining us on this week's all-star edition of Inside Inner County, and we'll catch you next Monday right here on the podcast. Ciao for now. See you later. Hey now, you're an all-star.